0: So, I'm Shannon Biddle, a member here, and I know um, if you were looking at your bulletin, you expected Gwen, but um, I'm not her. So <laughs> um, Gwen, Gwen is with Fred as he's recovering in, uh, in the hospital, and so we want to continue to send our prayers and our love to them and uh, hope for a speedy recovery so that we can have them back in the sanctuary with us very soon, and we can all catch up on those Fred hugs that, that we all love so much. So so lots of love and prayers going out to, to them today, this morning. So. As we start our worship, St. Paul's Methodist Church acknowledges that the land on which we meet is, was, and always be native land. We acknowledge the indigenous tribes to Oklahoma, the Wichitas, Caddo's, Plain, Plains Apaches, and the Quapaws, as the original custodians of the land in this place. We respect those who came here as a result of the Trail of Tears, the Choctaw, Cherokee, Muscogee Creek, Chickasaw, and Seminole people. We grieve the violence done to native language, culture, and personhood, One of St. Paul's core values is reconciliation, and we embrace the ongoing work of reconciliation among all of God's creation. May this awareness and work toward reconciliation be ever-present with us. And as I said, we are excited to have Reverend Jay Williams with us this morning, and I know that we will be blessed with uh, the message that he shares with us. So, Reverend Kathy, you have additional announcements?
1: I do. I do. First of all, good morning, St. Paul's. What a joy to be with you on this Sunday, and I want to say thank you to all of you who joined us in the parade, and I want to thank those of you who stayed home and supported us, because I would much rather you be home instead of out in this heat so that I'm not making a hospital visit today. So I appreciate those of you who wanted to be with us but but couldn't. Uh, I am honored to reiterate what Shannon said, that we have Reverend Jay Williams as our guest preacher today. Jay has been in ministry for five years, he is a recent graduate of Oklahoma City University where he majored in religious studies, and he is now a Masters of Divinity (coughs) Candidate and Carpenter Fellow at Vanderbilt Divinity School. Jay has definitely dedicated his entire life to serving. He is the adoptive parents of his two nephews, Anthony and Andre. He is a voice for centering LGBTQ plus equality and faith that <clears throat> too often abandons our LGBTQ people. And he is an advocate for racial justice in the community that too often fails to uplift people of color. Jay has been recognized by the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health as a rising star in addition to other acclamations for his advocacy in both queer and black community. Many of you were here when he preached a few years ago at our Resist Harm service, and I am so thankful that Jay is following his call to serve God and to serve in the United Methodist Church. And Jay, this congregation is gonna do all in our power to make sure that doors are wide open for you to go through. So, will you all help me welcome him today? <clears throat> On Pride Sunday, we also want <clears throat> to voice that as a church, St. Paul's acknowledges the harm that has been done to the LGBTQ community in the name of God and often propelled by the institution of the church. We acknowledge that the harm still being inflicted today by the exclusion of the United Methodist Church. As a community of faith, as a body of Christ, St. Paul's is committed to working for justice and alleviating oppression, discrimination, and pain that is often done at the hands of the church to our LGBTQ plus siblings. Yesterday at the parade, I saw a woman holding a sign. She was in the... Uh, um, the crowd, thank you, figure out that word. Um, She was in the crowd and her sign said, thank you for being brave, for standing up to injustice and supporting LGBTQ. She also said, I'm sorry the church has hurt you and for not being brave. I'm sorry for people who are mean, Jesus loves you. People, that needs to be the message of the church, and I am so proud that it is the message of this church, and that so many people were able to come yesterday so we could make that visible. Our statement of resistance that we adopted says, We as United Methodists have pledged to accept the freedom and power that God has given us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Thus, we stand in opposition to our denomination's ongoing discrimination against our LGBTQ plus siblings. We, as St. Paul's United Methodist Church, vow to firmly resist that oppression until all are offered full inclusion in the church. And people, hang on, because I do believe we are close. We're getting there, so hang on. As much as <clears throat> we come to church this morning to celebrate, Pride Sunday and to celebrate a church that is fully inclusive. Many of us also come today with heavy hearts because of the ruling that was done by the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade, which has taken away constitutional rights for a group of people. I want to read to you what the United Methodist Council on Bishops has said. So often we disagree on so many things, but they brought their voices together, and I want to take a moment to read. They write, the great diversity which makes up the people called United Methodist often leads to different perspectives and viewpoints. The preamble of our social principles acknowledges that clear reality when it states, the social principles are a call to all members of the United Methodist Church to a prayerful studied dialogue of faith and service. However, even in the midst of differing opinions, Our social principles consistently offer words about the sacred worth of all people and the role the church plays for nurturing human beings into the fullness of their humanity, even in the midst of complex issues and difficult days. They go on to say, the decision by the Supreme Court of the United States to overturn Roe versus Wade represents one of those complex issues with difficult days. The issuing of this ruling has denied the sacred worth of women who face the tragic conflicts of life with life that may justify abortion. This historic decision serves to create a further divide between persons of privilege who have the means to seek necessary health care and those who lack this privilege or <clears throat> due to their current economic condition. Their disproportionately effective lives, or the color of their skin. As our Commission on the Status of Role and Women has stated, this decision creates racial, gender, and economic injustice for all Americans. It draws deeper lines between those who have means and those who do not. It creates geographical disparities that erase equal access and opportunity for health care. So people, I just ask that we stay in a vigilant state of prayer, understanding that so many, many lives have been impacted in ways that we can't even begin to comprehend. I give thanks that we get together this morning as a community of faith, so that we can remember that in whatever is facing us, we know that we stay together as a community and we stand together knowing that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are in us and surrounding us. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, dear gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks for this day. God, we give you thanks that you called us here to this place, whether it be this place in the sanctuary or whether it be through our online worship. But God, you have called us. And so we ask, gracious God, that you open our hearts to you, Remove the distractions so that we can feel the presence of you that is definitely surrounding us. Be with Jay as he speaks the word that you have put on his heart to us later in the service. And just open all of our hearts, God. We give this time to you. Amen.
0: Thank you. I just want to reiterate one thing that um, Reverend Kathy is saying that not only is this Pride Sunday, but we also celebrate being a reconciling church and that we've made that decision several years ago and that we are, we are committed to being that safe place for our LGBTQ plus siblings who are welcomed and affirmed and celebrated um, in our congregation. So I think it's important for us to remember that. Um, if you'll please turn in your bulletins or on your screen, um, for the passing of the peace, St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, income, nationality, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, all are welcome into our family.
2: I'm still basking in the glory that was yesterday, (laughs) the rainbow rays of joy and uh, freedom. It was my first time to actually go to a Pride Parade, and I wanted to comment on, um, this morning we were talking in our young adult Bible study about how all of us are made in the image of God, and that, that image is best represented in the vast diversity and uniqueness of humanity. And as I was walking yesterday in that parade and looking out at this Colorful, beautiful, diverse crowd. I thought, this is this is a liminal place. This is where heaven and earth are intersecting, and we're glimpsing the kingdom. Truly, glimpsing the kingdom and God's intention for this world, and that in and of itself was a prayer answered. Um, and so, I wanted to share that with you because it has really nurtured my spirit and given me hope for a world that is too often heartbreaking and um anyway but let us join our hearts as one in all our diversity and all of our uniqueness and go to god in prayer holy one today we celebrate pride the gift of living into the fullness of who you are and who you have created us to be Bless all who celebrate this weekend with joy in the knowledge that they belong and that they are beloved children of God. We come with gratitude, holy mystery, for all the ways that you are known to us and for all the ways that you confound our comprehension. We give thanks to you, gender-bending God, who is both mother and father and still between and beyond all our categories of understanding. We celebrate the queerness of the spirit that beckons us out to new horizons of hope and fuller communion with your being. As we celebrate, keep within us the memory that pride is also protest, a prophetic witness to the struggle of lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, intersex, asexual, and every non-conforming ancestor who has gone before us. We remember today that joy and love and dancing are courageous acts of sacred resistance, a testament to the goodness of your creation, a celebration of triumph over the forces of dehumanization and shame. With gratitude, we call to mind the faces of all the holy trailblazers in our own lives and in our larger story who have fought and suffered much, who modeled wisdom and compassion to show us how wide and inclusive love's welcome is. We hold these people in our hearts. Bless and keep also the saints among us now, all of you. Those still using their gifts to speak out in a myriad of ways and showing us the continuing revelation of God's beloved kingdom. This morning we remember especially those who are living authentic, for whom living authentically has meant loss and grief. We remember those struggling to come out to themselves or their loved ones. We remember those who have been cast aside by family and friends, those abused and silenced, and all lives cut short by shame, stigma, and prejudice. We pray for their continued strength and courage to live wholeheartedly. Into the people you so lovingly, intentionally created. Lead them to communities where they may be affirmed and receive holy healing through your loving presence. We remember also, oh God, those who have been hurt by the church or by individual Christians. We repent of the harm being done and that has been done to our LGBTQ siblings, and ask that you would convict us to challenge this evil and cast it out in whatever form it takes, for it has no place in your church or in this world. Push us to advocate for a fully inclusive church, to use our voices to speak for those who have been misunderstood, silenced, rejected, and marginalized. We pray for an end to hatred and violence against lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex people in every nation. Bring strength and comfort to the LGBTQ people who experience violence, poverty, job loss, homelessness, and other forms of discrimination because of who they love and who they are. We pray you will strengthen our commitment to create sanctuary, and deep welcome for those who have been marginalized. May our worship increase our awareness of grace that we might give and receive it more freely with one another and all those we encounter. And may our worship reveal the work that is ours to do. We offer this prayer with Jesus, our sibling and our friend, who taught us to pray with one voice, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name.
3: Please rise in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. Our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 20. Hear these words. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim this is the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is an inspired word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As I was sitting down with Kathy at the the children's uh, moment, reflecting on how old I was four years ago, I was 21, (laughs) young, a new parent at the time, just got my nephews that I adopted, Uh, and then sitting down and standing up, uh, I remember our conversation with Emily yesterday, how parenting takes a toll on you. So getting up, I kind of (laughs) felt that in my back a little bit. (laughs) But it's good to be here with you all. And I ask you, join me in prayer. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom. Freedom over me. And before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. God, I ask that the meditations of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Amen. I grew up in rural Oklahoma, an hour and a half away from Tulsa, about an hour and a half south away from Tulsa. A young, poor, black, closeted queer kid in a very conservative community. And although I have a deep appreciation and love for my community, that time in my life is what I would consider a wilderness moment, both figuratively and literally, as you can imagine. Early in middle school, I had continuously felt the nudging of the Spirit leading me into ministry, and the harder I tried to ignore the nudge, the more the Spirit shoved there was a small problem. An internal struggle with my faith and my sexuality prevented me from following the lead of the Spirit. I was taught, like many of you, that I couldn't be queer and Christian. So being queer and a pastor, that sounded absurd. Surely God couldn't use me. So Hopeful that if I remained faithful and suppressed my sexuality, then maybe, just maybe, God would correct me and I could be a pastor. After all, I love God and I love the church, and I wanted to share that love with others. So later on, I attended Confirmation, a Confirmation retreat with my youth group, and we were all gifted teen study Bibles from our church. The boys' study Bibles were appropriately titled The Bible for Teen Guys. Yikes. Still struggling with my sexuality, I turned to the reference pages looking for answers as any good young Christian boy would. Homosexuality jumped out from the page and instructed me to visit Leviticus 18:22. I turned to the passage and found an excerpt that simply read, homosexuality is definitely a sin. If you're struggling with homosexuality, visit our website for more information. The website proved to be unhelpful. Surprise, surprise. So I continued to suppress my sexuality, hopeful that one day it would all just go away. Boy, was I wrong. Instead, I spent the next few years suffering a gruesome journey through the wilderness. I struggled with the thought that my faith wasn't strong enough. I wondered if I was Christian enough, questioning if God actually loved me, because why would I have to endure another marginalized identity as if being black in America wasn't enough. I struggled to accept the fullness of my identity in God. This was a wilderness moment indeed. Jesus spent time in the wilderness and in the chapters leading up to our scripture reading, after being baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit fell on him and inaugurated Jesus's ministry. The Holy Spirit then led Jesus into the wilderness. For 40 days, Jesus suffered there. Not only did he starve in the wilderness, but he had to fight the temptations of becoming something that he wasn't. I think we've all been there before. Time and time again, Jesus struggled to accept the fullness of his identity, and God, and the adversary continuously tried to question Jesus's connection to the divine. If you're really the chosen one, prove it, the opposition demanded. You can't be the chosen one. You're not strong enough, powerful enough, religious enough. You're just a poor carpenter's boy from the middle of nowhere. Surely God couldn't or wouldn't use you. What I'm finding is that that is the hardest part of the wilderness journey. In the wilderness, God can seem far away or altogether absent. Outside voices creep in and convince us that God is against us. It derails us from following the lead of the Holy Spirit. It can take us weeks or months or even years to get back on track again, but journeying through the wilderness isn't all bad. The wilderness forces us to confront the realities of the world because it forces the point. It brings to surface whatever fears, whatever questions or struggles that hide deep within us. In the wilderness, we learn what we are made of, and nothing feels more like a curse from God than the time we spent there but it's also where the good stuff happens. All of life's blessings come out of the time we spent in the wilderness. It's where God reveals God's self. Time and time again, scripture shows us the importance of listening to those who have walked with God on the outskirts. Those are the people with a unique sense of the divine work in the world, and it is in our best interest follow their lead so as jesus journeys into the wilderness he begins his radical and inclusive ministry he boldly proclaims that his ministry would be empowered by the holy spirit and guided by the social concerns of his day he decided to visit his home synagogue in nazareth and repeated the words of the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to release the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set those who are oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord. These words would have been familiar to the people gathered in Nazareth. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. And for generations, Israel had awaited for God to deliver them from the oppressive power forces that they found themselves under. According to the Gospel of Luke, at first, the faith community received Jesus' message well, actually. Could it be the carpenter's son raised here in our community? He's the prophet that God sent to deliver us after all of these years? I bet the trustees couldn't wait to change the marquee on the outside of the synagogue. <laughs> Nazareth Synagogue, home of Jesus, the Messiah. Join us for worship at 1045. <laughs> Jesus' prophetic message was accepted, but then Jesus started talking nonsense. Nonsense. The people of Nazareth heard and received the declaration of fulfillment of God's promise and blessing on them, but Jesus also affirmed God's promise and blessing was not limited to Israel alone. Like Israel's prophets of old, Jesus' radically inclusive ministry would bear witness to God's blessing on all of the poor. He came to bring freedom to all of the oppressed. Not just the few elect, not just those of a particular race, not just those living a heterosexual lifestyle. Jesus was sent to free all persons from the various bondages they experienced economically, physically, politically, socially. Jesus said, this is the year of liberation. God has heard the cries from all of God's creation, and the time for liberation has come. Unfortunately, we know far too well that prophetic messages are rarely ever accepted by faith communities. Jesus' message upset the religious folk who helped raise him, who helped nurture him, the people that Jesus Inherited his faith from rejected his ministry and kicked him out of the temple Yet empowered by the Holy Spirit Jesus brushed off his backside and continued the work I became overly involved in the local church at a young age Leaders of the church saw something within me that I could not recognize for myself They affirmed my call They helped cultivate my leadership skills, entrusted me with various positions, and elected me to represent United Methodist youth on the conference jurisdictional and global level of the United Methodist Church. That young, poor, black, closeted queer kid had the attention of pastors, district superintendents, and yes, even bishops. Virtually everyone I encountered treated me like a poster child for the UMC youth. I was a star in the making. And as my peers will tell you, that's probably why my ego is so big today. (laughs) I call it confidence, but... Leaders in the church helped raise me and nurture me. They were excited about my my call into ministry and the journey that they pledged to walk with me on. Until one day, I mustered up the courage to come out at church camp. I decided that if I was going to commit myself to ministry, I owe it to myself and I owe it to God to do so authentically, as my full self. The people I inherited my faith from, the people I looked up to, rejected me and my ministry. After coming out, apparently I was no longer gifted and qualified for ministry. Funny how that works. Yet empowered by the divine spirit, I brushed off my backside and continued to do the work that I was called to. And now they have to sit on the sidelines and watch as I break down the walls of exclusion that they had put up. Isn't God great? Unable to see Jesus' anointing and his connection to the Holy Spirit, Jesus' radical ministry was rejected by his faith community. They didn't want anyone else to experience the liberation promised to them, and because of it, they missed out on their own blessing. Their commitments to boundaries made them miss out on the prophetic voice in their midst. There's a lesson in there for us today. It's truly unfortunate that our commitments and our boundaries often take precedence over the divine spirit at work in our world. And because we remain resistant and closed off to the prospect of others sharing in God's blessing, we ourselves are unable to receive it. Not only are we hurting others, but we are hurting ourselves. Human beings can be the greatest instruments of God's grace for others. But the gospel teaches us we are never free to set limits on that grace. Jesus' radically inclusive ministry continues to be rejected today. Jesus continues to be kicked out of our churches today as we try to set limits on God's grace. Communities of color remain shackled to the bonds of white supremacy and white terrorism. Women and our siblings with a uterus remain controlled by the legislative hand of the patriarchy. Trans people are being denied life-preserving medical treatment, and our kids continue to fall victim to senseless and preventable deaths At the hands of gun violence, yet we have the audacity to call ourselves pro-life. Instead of embracing our differences and appreciating God's love for diversity, we have criminalized, criminalized the education around that diversity. And despite being called and qualified to lead the church into the 21st century, our denomination continues to devalue the gifts and graces of queer people and allies in the church. When I think about the gospel and I see what's happening in the world, I'm reminded that we have gotten things all wrong. Sometimes I ask myself if I have been reading the same Bible as others. Our faith teaches us that Jesus came to die, which is true, but I think we get too caught up in that death. We forget about Jesus's life. Jesus didn't just come to die. He came to live, to teach, to heal, to tell stories, to protest, to overthrow tables, to touch people who weren't supposed to be touched, to eat with people who weren't supposed to be eaten with. To break bread, to pour wine, to wash feet, to forgive, and to announce the start of a brand new kingdom. To show us what that kingdom could be like. To show us what God is like. Jesus didn't die to save us, didn't just die to save us from our sins. Jesus lived to save us from our sin of oppression. And bondage that we often captivate people with his life and teachings show us the way to liberation complete freedom to show us a better way to show us and teach us that the world can in fact change things do not have to be the way that they are we are in the wilderness, my friends. It's a scary time for a lot of people out there. But now more than ever, we have to commit to the radical ministry Jesus committed himself to. We need to show up for people, show them what the church has to offer, to be engaged in ministry with the marginalized, just like Jesus did. It's not enough to remain comfortable in the four walls of our churches. We need to join people on the streets, meeting them where they are. We need to get up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And I think we did that beautifully yesterday at the Pride Parade. The question is, friends, How much more might God be able to do with us if we were ready to transcend the boundaries of community and the limits of love that we have erected? Are we willing to allow God to use us, to bring heaven on earth, to further the kingdom, to set the oppressed free and share the liberating love of God With everyone that we encounter. Can we do that? With the help of the Holy Spirit, anything is possible. Amen. And God will delight when we are creators of justice, of joy, compassion, and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy, my favorite all-time prophetic voice is Cornell West, who says, justice is what love looks like in public. So I invite you to join the work of the Holy Spirit, engaging and loving in public, bringing peace and joy to a world that so desperately needs it. In the name of the creator, the redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Oh, Amen.